0: Hey there, friends, family, foes and lurkers alike. This is your host Daniel Minnick, just a harmless little fuzzball with talent on loan from God. Wait, wrong show, wrong host. But <laughs> but this is Truth Espresso and this is Daniel Minnick along with my co-host, my sweet and beautiful wife and co-host Chelsea. I'm going to talk about um the Passion Week uh, last week we talked about Palm Sunday, and for this one, this uh, since it's Monday as of the release of this episode, um, it starts the Passion Week, and we're going to talk about the events leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And it was quite the week there during that Passion Week, and so ready to talk about um, the Passion Week and some things we glean from that from the events there sweetheart
2: (laughs) yes this will be good
0: (laughs) yeah and what i notice from reading trying to read through the gospel accounts and you know all the perspectives that they give all the things that jesus encountered what the things jesus said what people said to jesus it's like politics 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 (laughs) Mm -hmm. did you kind of gather that did you kind of notice that sweetheart
2: (laughs) yes definitely and yeah it's interesting just reading through this different times different things in the passages will stand out more and i think that you and i both saw like recent events really stood out to us reading through this again
0: yeah so we'll see some of those politics and make a comparison to you know as the preacher uh solomon the writer for ecclesiastes you know said there's nothing new under the sun and so yeah as we see what went on during this time the politics behind leading to jesus crucifixion there's a lot of parallels to uh, the politics that we experience today so if we are tempted to think that that was such an unusual time even when people saw miracles you know where you know even some atheists today will say like you know if i see a miracle you know then i'll believe well i doubt that you know because plenty of people during jesus day saw him perform amazing miracles and as we mentioned last week it's like, oh, he raised Lazarus from the dead, let's, let's kill Lazarus and kill him, you know. <laughs> There's nothing different today <laughs> regarding Jesus and the politics of today than with Jesus and the politics of Jesus' day. So, let's go through some of the events during this Passion Week and then see how some of the politics play out here. And so I have one of the first things that Jesus does um, when trying to deal with the harmony of the Gospels. You know, As Jesus enters Jerusalem, he visits a fig tree and he wants to get fruit from the tree because he's hungry and he notices there's no fruit, so he curses this barren fig tree. And then we mentioned last week where he overthrows the money changers in the temple. <laughs> yeah, And then the next morning he sees the fig tree withered and his disciples marvel at how fast it withered. So there's a miracle he did right there and cursing the fig tree. But there's politics in that too because, you know, the fig tree represented israel that they weren't bearing fruit in season (laughs) and so he curses the fig tree showing that god is cursing israel the you know it's the season messiah is here he's showing himself he's proving himself he's performing miracles he's saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand And yet, he has his converts, he has lots of converts, but the religious leaders certainly were not prepared to accept him as their king. And as we mentioned, yeah, even with his triumphal entry into Jerusalem... And people saying, Hosanna, spreading the palm trees, the leaders are like, oh great, he's stirring up the people, you know, this is going to cause a commotion, you know, what will our fearless leaders say, you know, we don't want this. (laughs) Yeah, so the fig tree there certainly represents the state of Israel at this time. Do you have anything there, sweetheart, at all in your notes before we get to the question about the baptism of John?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was interesting that the fig tree had two different...
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because Jesus notices that the fig tree, it looks good. It looks like it would have fruit has beautiful leaves, like lush leaves. But then it's like reaching into the leaves to find the figs and there's no fig. So it's kind of like it's being deceptive there. And yeah. Okay, Israel's trying to look like everything's glorious, everything's beautiful, you know, we are the promised people and as even Jesus had the conversations with the Jews where they denied that they were in captivity. <laughs> it's like, "Why? We're not in captivity? What's wrong? We're, you know, we're flourishing." <laughs>
2: Yeah, so it's interesting how that parable has two different meanings for the disciples too, because in Matthew 21, when the disciples are marveling at this miracle there and how quickly the tree withered away, then Jesus was explaining to them about having faith and believing in that when he's gone, that the disciples will be able to do things like this too. Um, Jesus tells them, if they shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all these things, whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. So I thought it was cool that it was kind of, you know, almost you could be despaired because, okay, we're getting cut off, the tree is withering, it's not producing fruit, but then also that hope of, okay, but wait a minute, you can believe and have faith and you can actually do things like this too. Reading <laughs> that story again, it's kind of neat yeah. to see how there's two different Parts to that as well.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So Jesus is telling the disciples, you know, he says like, "Greater works than I do, you will do." So like, they're gonna do some pretty amazing things, and yet at the same time, he also tells them that, you know, you're gonna be taken to the leaders, you're gonna be persecuted for not my name's sake, and yeah. So it's like, you're gonna do these amazing. You know, you're gonna do things that are more amazing than I did, and yet. The opposition is going to be stronger yet. So, yeah, that kind of does, as I mentioned before, you know, kind of go against the idea that, oh, just prove to me that God exists. Just prove to me the truth of what you're saying with miracles. You know, the miracles aren't going to convince people who are dead set at being enemies of the truth, who have their own agendas. And yeah, it was true during Jesus' time. He said to his disciples it would be true during their ministry when he's gone. And it would be true today, even though we don't see the miracles like that time. If there were miracles today, there'd still be you know, staunch opposition, probably even greater. You know, <laughs> Yep, things don't change, do they? <laughs> mm. And so now, let's get into some more politics (laughs) with uh, Jesus' ministry during this week here. So, as Jesus overthrew the money changers, turned the tables, whipped people out for selling animals, making profits, and so on, the religious leaders were frustrated that he was cleansing the temple. And then, so afterwards, they asked him, By what authority do you do these things? (laughs) And then Jesus asks them a question because, you know, obviously when they ask him the question, by what authority do you do these? They're thinking they're going to trap him because if he says it's by God's authority, you know, then they can try to get him for blasphemy or such. But if it's on his own authority, you know, like no matter what he says, they're going to try to find fault with it. So he's going to play their game with them. He asks them a question, the baptism of John, of what is it of heaven or of men? (laughs) And then so, yeah, the gospels tell us that they reasoned about how to answer and they say, you know, like, okay, they didn't want to say it was from heaven. Because they didn't have good experiences with John the Baptist, you know, how John the Baptist would tell them, bring forth fruits, meat for repentance, and I, then I will baptize you. And yeah, they were not John's friend, but yet John prophesied, he said, the Messiah, I'm the forerunner for the Messiah, he's going to come. He revealed Jesus with by baptizing Jesus, he says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John made it clear who Jesus was and so people who were disciples of John they would transition to being disciples of Jesus he must increase i must decrease So anyone who had affinity for John, if they saw John introduce them to Jesus, they would become Jesus' disciples. So if you liked John, you should like Jesus. And so, yeah, John gave that credibility, but John scolded the religious leaders. And also Herod, the governor of Judea, sought to put John to death, and he did. He had John beheaded And, yeah, the Jewish religious leaders wanted to make sure that they were in good with whatever the political leaders were, because they had kind of political religious positions, and they did not want to be ousted there. They didn't want to put themselves at odds with the political leadership. But then, at the same time, they didn't want to say that John's baptism was from men, because the general populace had high regard for John. (laughs) So... In other words, they try to avoid sticking their neck out and taking a definite side. And so, yeah, so they say, we can't tell. And Jesus says, well, then I don't tell you by what authority I do these things. (laughs) Do you have any thoughts on the (laughs) sweetheart?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I just started chuckling when I was reading through that tonight because... It just reminds me so much of this last couple of weeks here <laughs> in our time where we have the new nominee for the Supreme Court, Ketanji Brown-Jackson, <laughs> and she is asked a straightforward question <laughs> to define what a woman is, Yeah. and she can't even do that because of... The politics surrounding that, and I don't know, this passage just reminded me of that (laughs) and how sometimes it can be frustrating when we see things like that happen, and then she still gets nominated to Mm -hmm. take a place in the Supreme Court, but just thinking, okay, the people did this to Jesus, like the Son of God and he didn't back down he didn't waver he was like okay that's not a good answer <laughs> mm-hmm. and tells them like truth and continues to stay focused on his goal and the ministry of bringing help to people so mm-hmm. i don't know it's just interesting how one of those times where it's like okay this reminds me of what's going on recently yeah
0: definitely and katanji brown jackson has also asked the question when does life begin and then she gave the answer like my religious beliefs you know say one thing and of course she wouldn't say what that was but then she says you know but i'm willing to set that aside basically for performing the duties of the office you know of course like so she's not saying what that is either And I understand the idea of an impartial judge, you know, but really, you know, if you're going to be a Supreme Court justice, the idea is that you've got to deliberate on cases based on the Constitution, which is objective. So that's the purpose of asking the questions for the confirmation is, will you have fidelity to the Constitution that you're going to swear an oath upon, but it's clear what side she takes she takes a definite side in things but she didn't want to be clear about that because if she were explicit about it she would jeopardize her position and if she were explicit on the other side you know she'd be afraid of jeopardizing her position or her favor with her colleagues and that reminds me so much of these jews here it's a simple question there is this John the Baptist, who, you know, made waves, and, you know, everyone knew who he was. Everyone knew what he said. You know, everyone knew the message he brought. Everyone knew who he recognized was the Lamb of God. And yet, okay, he baptized thousands of people, you know, and yeah, Jesus just asked a simple question. (laughs) <laughs> what about john's baptism and you know they were ones who just refused to take any opinion make it take any side on the issue when it's like there's no neutrality here you know and the same with katanji brown jackson you know where is the neutrality here jesus was not in favor of neutrality at all he said he who is not with me is against me you know jesus didn't you know, he told those who wanted to be his disciples, you know, like, let the dead bury their dead and come follow me. Or, you know, who he who looks back, you know, is not fit for the kingdom. He was not someone who says, well, just come and we'll try to figure out a place for you. <laughs> you know, it's like you must make the decision. You must pick the side and stick with it. <laughs> and if you don't pick his side, you've picked the other side. <laughs>
2: And there's even passages later on talking about not being lukewarm. And uh, lukewarm yeah, is Yeah,
0: Revelation there. Oh, Revelation. Yeah, okay. one of the yeah, to the churches there, Revelation of well, It was the church that had the spring of water there that would you know flow from a distance and so when it got there the water was lukewarm and you know, and Jesus says you know, because you were neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm i will spew thee out of my mouth <laughs>
2: Okay, so is the church of the Laodiceans.
0: Oh, Laodiceans. Oh, okay, Lodicians. so the, fir- the final church there, yeah.
2: Yeah, so then because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And that just kind of reminded me of that whole um, neutrality part, too, yeah. that being neutral, you think you're trying to, like you said, be objective, but it's actually mm. one of the worst places oh, to be. Yeah because truth judging righteously mm. is based on what is right and wrong there can't be this gray <laughs> neutral lukewarm place
0: <laughs> yeah lukewarm water has no use yeah because it's like okay hot water has a use it could purify things you know you could take a shower with it <laughs> you know cold water can quench thirst and stuff like that but lukewarm water has no use you <laughs> know yeah so then another thing i observed you know was the parables that jesus taught during the this day and i think the next day he taught some to his disciples but he taught some to the people you know he told some to the hostile religious leaders who were gonna try to entrap him so he taught parables during his ministry but then at this time his parables seemed to be more laser focused about what's coming up and so they focused on Jesus's fate at his enemies' hands, and also of people being prepared for his return. <laughs> so you have he talks about the vineyard owner's two sons, you know, and asks them, "Okay, the one says he will help, but then doesn't. The one who says he won't help, but then he changes his mind and does." And he asks, "Which one is the one who would get the reward?" Well, obviously, the one who does. So it's kind of like a call to repentance there, like. You've been resisting me if you, ch- if you repent and actually do the actions of following me, you'll get the reward. but then just as Jesus says, people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. you know if you actually follow his commands and take his side, you know you'll get the reward regardless of what you say you will do. <laughs> and there's also the parable of the vineyard owner that he says after that, right after that. He sends servants out, the husbandmen who are taking care of the vineyard there, kill one servant. He sends another servant to kill that servant, picturing the prophets who are are killed, you know, in the Old Testament. And then, last of all, he sends his son, and then the husbandmen of the vineyard kill the son, you know, because it's like, perhaps they'll honor my son, but they kill the son, so then the owner of the vineyard gets angry, you know and then jesus also quotes the verse about the stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner like jesus is laying it on them solid like they can clearly see here their role in his parable like because that's they're plotting to try to trap him and kill him and yet he's telling them point blank what they're planning to do in parables and then he also quotes basically prophecy saying you know the builders reject the stone but the stones become the head of the corner like yeah guys you're in a place you don't want to (laughs) be and they know they knew he spoke of him he also told the parable the wedding feast and Those who came without garments and the the king is like gets angry and he burns up their city, you know, kind of 80, 70 there and then compels people out in the highways and byways, the Gentiles there to compel them to come in. The wise and foolish virgins later on, the ten virgins, you know, ones who had their lamps lit and the others who trimmed their lamps. And then the the parable of the talents, so investing, you know, those who had the talents and those who you know, hid the talents. And, you know, all of these seem to picture the Jews who were assigned, you know, basically to be the ones to usher in the kingdom. And yet they abuse and misuse their position there. And, you yeah. <laughs>
2: I think those parables are so cool to look back and just look at kind of the progression of them Mm. because it's talking about Jesus going to be crucified soon Mm. and then you've got the parables about being ready being prepared for the salvation like the bridegroom (laughs) then you have using your talents and being that message person for christ Mm -hmm. so i just think it's kind of neat to see that progression of how we can live as christians through just that series of parables he taught right there
0: I think it's pretty neat doing this study for this episode because it's like, you know, we'll just sometimes periodically just look at some parable he taught and then, but seeing the context of it, seeing, you know, okay, he said this during the Passion Week, he said it with a purpose, knowing that within a matter of a few days he's going to be crucified and to whom he's telling it, why he's telling it, how they're going to hear it and and so on. Yeah, it's pretty interesting there. So what's next we are. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so in Matthew 22, it talks about how the Pharisees are now seeking to try and entangle Jesus and they want to trap him. And so they present the question, is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what is this? politics you know what is the whole idea that you can trap him and tangle him politics because <laughs> you have these different competing factions uh, you know that can kind of control the law or the approval of people and stuff and so it's kind of like let's ask a question where just like by what authority do you do these things and jesus did his own entrapping question they refused to answer but they expect him to answer with some more of these questions so is it lawful to pay taxes to caesar like no obviously there would be repercussions if you didn't but they think okay maybe he's this righteous revolutionary you know so he could possibly give an answer to say to win the favor of the zealots you know there there was a simon the zealot you know and so on There is a faction of Jews called the Zealots who, uh, you know, recognize, you know, we support freedom for Judea, freedom for Israel from Rome. And it's not lawful. Caesar has no authority to collect taxes from us. And even if that... Happen to be the correct answer then they go ah all right caesar here's a rebel it's time to kill him you know we're caesar's friend you know but then if jesus says yeah it is lawful to pay taxes to caesar like oh who What kind of a Jew are you? You know, like that's the whole idea. (laughs) Okay, you're no better than the tax collectors that we loathe, you know, (laughs) away with you. (laughs) Um, Yeah.
2: So since the Pharisees weren't successful in trapping him, (laughs) then you have another group that comes to him (laughs) to try and trick him (laughs) and make him condemn himself
0: and noticed that the groups that asked him questions weren't necessarily either friends of each other either. (laughs) You had the Pharisees and the Sadducees who argued with each other, disagreed vehemently. The Pharisees held to the whole Old Testament, as we call it, the Tanakh, you know, the Torah, Nava, and Ketuvim, but the Sadducees only held to the Torah. (laughs) And didn't believe in a resurrection or life after death and so on. But when it comes to Jesus, they're, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And so, yeah. I just wrote that down. (laughs) Oh, you wrote that down? Yeah. (laughs) I just thought of it. Yeah.
2: Well, I'm not good about saying the right quotes. So I'm like, (laughs) I better write it down.
0: (laughs) But that this is what politics does. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But it's interesting to see how first the Pharisees come in and try and trick him. Then the Sadducees come in and try and trick him. And the Pharisees are like, hmm, the Sadducees didn't have luck tricking him either. Let's team up and see if we can do something about this. Then they both go in and who do they send in to try and trap him this time? (laughs) a lawyer. Oh yeah. Nothing against lawyers necessarily, <laughs> but it's just interesting that they're trying to send someone that they think will be persuasive. <laughs> and be able to smooth talk and trap Jesus into being uh, able to be accused at this point.
0: And Jesus' answers to their questions are good answers, and yet he doesn't entrap himself. You know, the render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God. So, you know, whose inscription is on the coin, you know, so... Oh, like. He didn't get entrapped. It was a legitimate answer to the question. It didn't force him to pick a side so we can't accuse him.
2: With the Sadducees, (laughs) they're asking about the woman who was married.
0: And why did they ask that question?
2: Well, because they don't believe in the resurrection. Yeah, exactly.
0: So they're trying to, okay, now let's try to trap him. And maybe, you know, his answer to the question will get him in disfavor with certain sects of the Jews who don't believe in the resurrection and so on. But yeah. So the Sadducees ask Jesus the question. A woman ends up having seven husbands. You know, they keep dying. She's a widow and she gets remarried. Obviously, it's a hypothetical situation because how can this really happen in real life (laughs) unless she's a black widow, you know? (laughs) (laughs) and they're not telling, (laughs) but, you know, somehow it's just to set up a hypothetical situation to force Jesus to say, okay, well, given that they're joined in marriage, according to the Torah, but you believe in this resurrection, so which husband will she have in the resurrection? Which one is lawfully her husband? If you believe in this silly resurrection thing, you know, Moses never talks about it. But yeah, and notice Jesus' answer that actually is tailored toward the beliefs of the Sadducees. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so yeah, I thought his answer was kind of funny because <laughs> yeah. he's very blunt in it and
0: where he says you err not knowing the scriptures nor oh, yeah. the power of god so it's kind of like mocking the resurrection you know you don't know the power of god to raise the dead you know but also you err not knowing the scriptures so mm. he uses scriptures that they accept as scriptures to answer the question
2: <laughs> yeah so that part was kind of funny how <laughs> yeah and just how they're trying to use scripture or use <laughs> what they know against him and then jesus is like um have you even read the scripture oh <laughs> uh, it's just kind of interesting yeah. how he is able to just turn that on them and uh, show truth
0: isn't this where jesus says have you not read that which was spoken to you saying <laughs> you know <laughs> so it's interesting like wait you read what was spoken to you <laughs> I know I've heard James White talk about that, like the statement there, have you not read that which is spoken to you? So Jesus takes scriptures that were written over a thousand years ago, and he doesn't say, have you not read that which was written? Or have you not heard that which is spoken? He says, have you not read that which was spoken? The word of God, inspiration, the breath of God. Spoken to you, so he's like taking that which was written over a thousand years ago to say this was spoken by God to you, (laughs) saying, (laughs) and then he quotes God to Moses in the burning bush, "I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob," and so Jesus takes the tenses of the verbs there to make a point about the resurrection to say, like, wait. God says He is now the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and at this time of Moses they were dead, but God is not the God of the dead but the living, so if they're consciously alive now, and he he's always the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and so there is a resurrection, you know they will be in the kingdom, and He will be their God, you know they're not just dead and gone, and that's it. <laughs> And he answers the question about the resurrection. Like, okay, you're not married in the resurrection, so that answers that challenge. It's not a challenge. Hello, this is Keith Helsley of
1: Quest for Truth. And I'm Nathan Caldwell. Together, we talk about worldviews. Things that affect our pop culture today. We role-play the viewpoints represented... We sift through some of the faulty logic in them And compare them to what scripture says Once a month, we dig into the Bible Going through one book at a time One verse or phrase at a time Exposing the truth in scripture Truth exposed Hey, that sounds like a good name for a podcast I like it How about explicit truth? No Mm, How about Naked Truth? No, no, no. Check out Truth Exposed on the first week every month. You missed something, Keith. Our audio drama. As long as our protectorate players have all their parts in. And our lazy script department has the scripts ready. Um, isn't that you... Make that our hard working scrap department. Watch for new audio dramas on the third week of the month. Quest for Truth. Because if it's true, it's true inside the Bible as well as outside the Bible. Check out life truth.com.
2: Yeah, so next, they're teamed up with the Pharisees oh, and yeah. Sadducees. They send in the <laughs> lawyer.
0: <laughs> More politics.
2: to question jesus and this is where we have the what is the greatest commandment question (laughs) posed and they're thinking okay we're going to (laughs) for sure entrap jesus with this question
0: (laughs) because you know was it 613 commandments so it's like if he picks one we can find people who are going to argue and say that's not the greatest command this one is you know (laughs)
2: Yeah, so Jesus replies that this is the first and great commandment, that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. The second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. (laughs) So it's like, okay. (laughs) All the law, everything that has been spoken by prophets comes back to those two commandments. (laughs) So those are the two greatest commandments.
0: So in some way, he's saying that there is no hierarchy in the law, but they all fit under these two, which are your relationship with God and your relationship with each other. And so the greatest commandment there is the result of the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 4, you know, the Lord our God is one Lord, thou shalt love the Lord thy God and all your heart and so on. And then the second greatest command is like, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as yourself. So, yeah, like every other command falls under those two general categories. And it's like the Ten Commandments, where you have the commands regarding your relationship with God and then the commands regarding your relationship with each other. And (laughs) then that's the whole law and prophets.
2: (laughs) Don't you think this kind of helps? Well,. I'm a little nervous to say this. (laughs) Simplify parenting. (laughs) Parenting is anything but simple. Oh, yes. (laughs) But I think a lot of times when we're working through different situations with our kids and we think about these two commandments and what Jesus said here, and then how we teach our kids to uphold those. So loving the Lord your God and then loving your neighbor. So, you know, when the boys are beating each other up and then they get (laughs) mad at each other and then talking with them about, okay, was that being kind to each other? Was that basically loving your neighbor? And so there's so many different things that you can bring back to those two commandments that I think it kind of helps make it a little more simple to think through. Yeah. Kind of. (laughs) 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 At least we try.
0: (laughs) Yeah kind of like when jesus told his disciples you know a new command i give you that you love one another but also saying it's not a new command you know it's kind of more like an old command but simplified and clarified yeah and another challenge i forget you know, I didn't have in my notes, I forget who you know, you have Jesus asks the question about Psalm 110 verse 1 The Lord said unto my Lord, sit on my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool and so he asks them the question, the challenging question, you know, like, well if David calls him Lord, how is he also his son? And in Jewish understanding, a son cannot be greater than his father. He can be at the very least equal but most likely not but wait a minute! David called his son his lord, <laughs> and Jesus is clearly referring to himself. So he's kind of—it's more condemnation on them. You're rejecting the one that David called his own lord, David, as in the David that is <laughs> basically the king of kings in their understanding. You know, the prophecies about the one who will sit on David's throne. You know, it's David's the greatest king there ever was, and. And yeah, this son of David is David's lord. Like you know, you can imagine what they must be thinking. You know,
2: my favorite part of that <laughs> section is that Jesus asks them just one question, <laughs> yeah. and then they have no idea how to answer it, and that actually stops them from <laughs> asking any more questions <laughs> from that yeah. day forth. It says. <laughs> I'm like, Wow,
0: <laughs> so they want they tried to entrap Jesus, but then Jesus entrapped them, yep. yeah <laughs> and then so Jesus knows that he's going to be convicted and crucified, but he's gonna enter with a truly clean slate. He's not gonna have any just accusations against him, <laughs> and it seems like they're gonna realize that, <laughs> so they end up with false accusers, but yeah. <laughs>
2: So this is probably not very nice of me, but I kind of like this (laughs) next part where Jesus is just calling out the hypocrisy, the (laughs) evilness that is going on there (laughs) and is like, oh, thank you for standing up for this evilness and not trying to sugarcoat it and be like, yeah. Oh, you need to go read your Bible, or oh yeah, I don't know. It's like all right, he's going to call them out and say these vipers, these yeah. hypocrites, <laughs> and just calling out the scribes and the Pharisees and yeah. the Sadducees and. Yeah. I, I like the sense of justice in this part <laughs> yeah, I think.
0: for sure and he's clearly telling them things that they know about themselves he's revealing their secrets he's telling them this is the way you present yourselves yet this is what you're really like inside you know and they know it <laughs> and it's going to make them angry probably feel convicted about it but even if Jesus had any intention of avoiding being put on trial he was not you know he would not be saying these types of things but he's not winning himself any favors with these people but yeah He's taking the opportunity to not only they tried to entrap him, he entrapped them. Now he's going to lambast them and reveal all of their secrets. You know, talk about the elephant in the room. You know, some people probably even knew these things, but were afraid to say it, but he's going to say it and to bring it back to what we talked earlier about (laughs) the confirmation (laughs) of the new Supreme court justice. And I think of like the three Republicans who are like, Yeah, you know, this is right. I'm going to proudly vote to confirm her because, you know, this is what America needs, you know, regardless of what was heard, regardless of her record on things like light sentences for child molesters. Everything about her, regardless of her answers to questions, you know, like regardless of how obvious the agenda is because the president said he's going to nominate someone based on her skin color and gender above anything else. And it's got to be an ideologue and everyone knows it. But, hey, I'm going to be the righteous person and (laughs) vote a certain way, even though my constituents would point out the obvious. And, yeah, but Jesus is going to point out the obvious.
2: (laughs) Doesn't this help give hope during this time? Because I know we talked about this last week, how every day it just seems that there's something evil that is past or Said and trying to implement, and sometimes it's really easy to get discouraged. But just these passages kind of renewed that hope of okay, Jesus is the one that's ultimately going to be the judge of mm. all of this, yeah. and he's a righteous judge, and he's not going to hold back his wrath. And instead of being discouraged by what's going on, just keeping focused on that and thinking, okay, how can I do my best to share the hope of Jesus Christ to others while there is time? Mm, Because once Jesus does come and pour out his wrath, then those people are not going to have a chance to change at that time. So just trying to keep focus where there is hope and not getting discouraged. And I just thought this passage here helps remind us of that.
0: Yeah, you could see a lot of hope in reading the woes upon the scribes and Pharisees because it's like for those who want to seek truth, like just unbridled truth, it's a breath of fresh air to see truth. And that's what Jesus is, you know, the judge of all the earth will do right. He's the impartial judge, you know. God is not a respecter of persons. You know, those who do righteously are accepted of him. It's just, (laughs) you know, forget the factions of humanity. Forget the politics, the parties, the ideologies of man. It's just like the unbridled truth of Jesus Christ just pierces through everything. And and when you have unbridled truth being revealed, like the stuff about the the abortions in Washington, D.C. It's like there's the truth. It is as clear as day and then you have politics trying to stifle it. You have people trying to reveal it. It's like, look, you know, it's right there for you eyes to see. It, you know, you feel like you want to shake people and say truth. <laughs> Who cares about anything else other than pure, unbridled truth? Knock off your politics, just accept the truth that you know is right. (laughs) And that's what Jesus will do. When he returns, he will set things right. He will judge the living and the dead according to pure, unbridled truth (laughs) that people know in their hearts, but they refuse to accept because my politics.
2: (laughs) Well, and if you think about the source of where the conflict and just even why we have politics is from satan and mm-hmm. being yeah. yeah, that god said yeah <laughs> great deceiver and trying to get as many people to believe lies and to believe that they can determine what is truth mm-hmm. and i think that's satan's ultimate weapon is to make people feel like they're god they can say what is right they can say what is wrong and anything in between And unfortunately, that's where we get that divide of the politics. And so it's not even a matter of, you know, Republican versus Democrat. Like you said, there's like not party lines there. It's about good and evil. It's about believing in God, recognizing God as your savior and as ruler or believing the lie and rejecting God and who he is.
0: Yeah, it definitely was refreshing to read these things and just see truth screaming from the pages of scripture and the lies being shown for what they are. Yeah, to see how much politics were involved in this Passion Week. So then other things that were going on here after the woes of the scribes and Pharisees, Jesus, you know, levels with his disciples about the prophecy of the destruction of the temple the persecution the false christ that will come that shows all the politics too you know and the disciples would notice the temple and they would say you know like just think look at how beautiful this is you know everything's so great but jesus is, tells them there will not be one stone upon another and why because god's gonna judge israel like Jesus cursed the fig tree there <laughs> you know it's like none of that is truth who cares about that is that standing there because of truth or is it because of politics you know the reason that the temple stood there at this time it was only supported by politics <laughs> and and God is going to bring judgment on Israel and destroy that beauty because it didn't bear fruit yeah and Jesus warning the disciples about more politics coming up you know you're going to be speaking my truth that you know but yet you're going to be persecuted by people who know the truth and claim that they're going to do god a service by killing you and also people who will falsely claim to be the messiah (laughs) yeah politics 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 (laughs) then you have some moments that are kind of like sweet you know in the midst of the politics where mary recognizing she kind of had seemed to have this insight into what's going to happen to jesus that the disciples didn't have and so she breaks the alabaster box the ointment that she had been saving for a long time and yet you know she realizes you know Jesus is going to die. This is worth nothing to me. You know, I'm going to use it, you know, cry tears on it. And, and Jesus, you know, Judas, you know, ever the politician there, why wasn't this sold for 300 pence, you know, basically a year's wages and given to the poor? And Jesus says, you know, like the poor you have always with you, but basically Mary recognizes how important this is, this moment is, you know.
2: So I thought it was interesting reading in Matthew, this account, that they were actually at the house of Simon, the leper. Yeah. and I, To me, that's just so neat that they pointed that out and yeah. that Jesus actually went there because, you know, lepers were considered the outcasts. You don't associate with them. They were left in confinement to die and be alone, and Jesus heals him, and then <laughs> he's actually going to be dwelling in his house during the um, getting ready for the feast and the last uh, supper here. And yeah. <laughs> But this part kind of weirded me out. <laughs> so, when Mary breaks open the alabaster box and pours the ointment, so in the Matthew account it says, and poured it on his head oh, yeah. as he sat at meat.
0: So he's eating there, and then she pours it on his head, yeah.
2: But I'm like, what if that oil <laughs> like gets on your food or in yeah. your mouth while you're eating? <laughs> I don't know. Mm. I just thought, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was yeah. like, okay, that's kind of a weird time to do that, but oh, I didn't yeah. know what your thoughts were on that.
0: It's kind of like she's wasting no time because this is on her mind. Even Jesus... How could this be on anyone's mind more strongly than Jesus? And yet Jesus is taking time to fellowship and eat. And Mary's like, "I've got to pour this on his head because I'm, you know, he's gonna die. I'm gonna miss him." And you know, and then this becomes a a lesson to teach. <laughs> And then so Judas, who made the accusation about giving to the poor, even though he bore what's in the bag, you know, he's probably going to steal what was given there. But Judas eventually sneaks off to the chief priests to ask them, what will you give me if I deliver the one you want to kill and for 30 pieces of silver? And then he comes back to supper and they're going to have the last supper there. And Jesus mentions, you know, <laughs> some one of you's going to betray me. And they're like, is it all? lord is it i lord and i can't remember if judas asks that too or he if he keeps quiet yeah and but jesus actually does tell the disciples you know he says the one to whom i dip the sop and give it to and he gives it to judas and he tells him what you're gonna do do quickly and he also says you know woe to the one to whom the son of man is betrayed it's better for him if he had never been born you know Like, just think of, you know, John mentions that Satan entered into Judas. Just think of what Judas would must be thinking. You know, Jesus points this out. It's better for you if you'd never been born. And then he says, that what you're going to do, do quickly, you know, like, and then he goes ahead and does it, you know, like all this condemnation and all this thought about perdition, you know, son of perdition. And yet he goes ahead and does this. (laughs) What would drive someone to do this? politics (laughs)
2: lies
0: (laughs) lies and politics and
2: (laughs) satan Satan,
0: and satan enters into people and makes them act according to politics
2: (laughs) 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 so in the matthew account it says that judas does ask jesus is it i oh okay and jesus says unto him thou hast said oh yeah (laughs) <laughs> I know there's, yeah, different accounts yeah. and stuff, but,
0: but yeah, it's so, like,
2: okay, th- there's plenty of accounts that demonstrate yeah. Jesus even confirmed <laughs> to yeah. Judas that, yes, you are the one.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> it's a very sobering moment there, but it's full of truth. <laughs> And it does show, you know, demonstrates that, you know, you can show the truth, you can warn people, and yet <laughs> they're still going to follow through with their ideology and their politics. <laughs> So then Jesus also washes disciples' feet in John thirteen there and The Last Supper. I did a true espresso express episode talking about transubstantiation, so we won't really get into that here, but <laughs> so then after the Last Supper you have the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus brings Peter, James, and John, and then they fall asleep, you know, and Jesus is sorrowful unto death. He sweats, as it were, drops of blood, and he finds them asleep. Well, couldn't you? Stay awake with me for even an hour. And, you know, the second time where he finds him asleep, he's like, take your rest for the son of man is going to go, you know, be delivered and betrayed. And
2: <laughs> so I think one of the important parts of the Garden of Gethsemane is how when Jesus prays to God and says, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. Hmm. I know there's different versions of that prayer in the different Gospels, but just how, yeah. how that shows the humanity mm. of Jesus that he knows this is going to be the mm. hardest thing he's yeah. ever done. Yeah. And he's asking God to take it away from him, but at the same time, knowing that this is the only way to redeem mankind, and he is so willing to mm. do that. And I just think that that prayer is like one of the most important things (laughs) during this time of just showing God's great love for us and how he's willing to lay down his will, lay down what he knows is coming to be the sacrifice for us. And yeah, I just think that (laughs) part is amazing.
0: Mm-hmm. And then he even tells the people are going to arrest him. Like, I could tell the Father he could send legions of angels to deliver me, and yet the scripture is going to be fulfilled, you know? So, yeah, even in his passion there, you know, he's still determined he's going to fulfill everything there. he, You know, he, he made everything lead to the moment he's going to get crucified, and he's going to follow through with that as hard as it is, you know?
2: Don't you like how, so we've covered a lot of stuff.
0: <laughs> and we haven't even gotten to the trials of the crucifixion. Yeah, yeah a lot went on.
2: Jesus was very busy that last week. <laughs> yeah. And I liked our conversation with our boys last night about <laughs> the last week and kind of what stood out to them and kind of reflecting about how Jesus knew his time was coming and he didn't want to waste mm-hmm. that time. And he was going to proclaim truth. He was going to heal. He was going to teach as much as he could in that last bit of time that he had. And just how we can learn from that too. Not knowing when the return of Christ is going to be. Just being vigilant about, I know, like in Esther, redeeming the time. And making sure that we're not just sitting around loathing or (laughs) playing video games all day or... Just being like, oh, let's grumble about this or that, but actually taking the time we have seriously because we don't know when Christ's return is. We do know that it is imminent that he is coming back and we need to do our best to proclaim his truth in the gospel Mm -hmm. as much as we can during this time.
0: Yeah, definitely, sweetheart. Yeah, and that's what this Passion Week teaches us about. Jesus was redeeming the time during this week, and it's an example for us to redeem the time that we have now and proclaiming truth just as Jesus held nothing back in proclaiming the truth. (laughs) Yeah, so we've covered a lot with this Passion Week, and there's still actually some more to cover, but... We'll cover that next time, next week. So, what we'll cover is the trials of Jesus, the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection. So, that will be a fun, action packed, truth filled episode for basically the resurrection after Easter. And so. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth Espresso and hope that it was thought-provoking and really made the scriptures kind of come alive about all the stuff that was going on, how politics influenced things and ultimately led to the death of the savior. And so stay tuned for the next episode of Truth Espresso and God bless
2: and happy resurrection day.